the reading this morning is Psalm 121. If you're looking for Psalms, it's around the middle of the Bible, so it's quite easy to find. But it's Psalm 121, and we have it up on the screen as well. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This is God's word. This is entitled, To Elders and Young Men. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.
Thank you, Ken. Well, friends, let's uh, come to our God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray this morning as we look at this topic, does God really care that you would indeed minister to our hearts and strengthen us, Lord, that we will leave this place knowing for certain that our God loves us, that he cares for us, that we rejoice in him. Lord, I pray you forgive me for my sins. I thank you for the great honor and privilege of preaching and proclaiming your word to your precious people. I pray you keep me humble. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends, does God really care? Does he really care? It's a good question, isn't it? As I was reflecting upon this question this past week, I thought about the sufferings that people have endured this past week. My thoughts went to Toby McIntosh and the family with the death of their daughter. I was also informed this past week of the death of a child of one of our ministers in Sydney. Like, uh, a young, young child. I was thinking about the suffering that goes on in the world. I was thinking about the pastoral needs of God's people here at St. Stephen's, for those who underwent surgery, for those who are in hospital, for those who are going through challenges of life, for those who are seeking employment and can't find work, for Christians who are suffering. Does God really care? Does He really care? Perhaps you may be going through a difficult patch in your life. And you wonder if God really cares. Or perhaps you know someone who has lost a loved one. Or someone who has lost a job. Or someone who has been hurt because of a broken relationship. And is feeling the weight. Is feeling the weight of loneliness and sadness. And you wondered perhaps, does God really care? Think for a moment about the suffering Christians in the world who are facing ongoing persecution in their lives because of following Jesus Christ. Does God really care? You see, Peter is writing to Christians who are going through, who were going through trials and challenges for following Jesus Christ in their lives. They were paying a high price for being Christians. And naturally, naturally, they were anxious about their lives. They were anxious about their present state. They were anxious about their future. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I would. Now you might say, oh Chris, that's crazy. You're supposed to be a Christian. How can you be anxious? Don't you have faith? Of course I do. I won't be human if I'm not anxious, right? Or am I kind of weird guy here? Come on, right? We go through moments of anxiety and stress and strain in life. And Peter wants to reassure his readers. And I trust this morning to reassure you and myself this morning that the God we believe in actually does really care. And so this morning we continue our series in 1 Peter. And we will look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, which is our text for this morning. 
Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. You see, Peter addressed this matter of leadership in the church. 1 Peter chapter 5, if you have your Bibles open, it will be great. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 to 5, Peter has addressed the matter of leadership within the church. He speaks to the elders. He calls them to serve the church well as shepherds of the flock. He speaks to the young people in the congregation and says to them to be humble and to submit to leadership. It's a challenge, isn't it, sometimes for young people, in fact for all of us to submit to authority. And then he addresses the entire congregation, as it were, to his readers by asking them to clothe themselves with humility towards one another. And so Peter says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. In fact, three times, perhaps we could say, the command comes to be humble in three in three specific ways, I think, in our text, particularly in verse 5. It says, younger men, be subject, that is, be humble towards your elders, 5a. 5b, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. And in verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And Peter gives us, I believe, at least three reasons why we ought to be humble. Because in 5b, he says, God is opposed to the proud. He opposes the proud. In 5b, again he says, God gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to those who come humbly before him. And nothing could be better than to have an infinitely powerful God treat us graciously because we come to him with humbleness. God gives grace to the humble. And then in verse 6, God will use his mighty hand to exalt the humble. That is, God will lift up the humble. How's that? Completely different from our world understanding of this phrase, humility, isn't it? Right? God lifts up those who are humble. In the world, if you're humble, perhaps you'll be seen as a weakling. Ah, that guy, he's a weak guy. He doesn't have strength in him. Or that girl, she's a weak person. But God says no. To those who are humble, I will lift you up. I will exalt you. You see, friends, God clearly states that he is drawn to the humble. He's, it, it's also very clear that he opposes the proud. And these two, that is humility and pride, cannot coexist. Where one is fostered, the other is defeated. They cannot coexist. Where one is fostered, the other is defeated. And Peter takes us right back into the Old Testament to make his point. I think Peter goes right into the book of Proverbs because this is what we see in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. And Peter has a reference to this here. That is, God mocks proud mockers but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. The Apostle James, in writing on the subject of pride and humility, also quotes the same verse in Pro of Proverbs 3 and verse 34, when he says in James 4, 6, but he gives, gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. 
Let me refer to some other Old Testament passages to make my point here this morning further. You see, in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13, the fear, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate, what is it? Pride. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. You see, pride was the sin of Satan that led him to his fall. Pride was the sin of Adam and Eve when they wanted to be like God. And then the Bible tells us this. I remember one of my youth leaders when I first became a Christian, a guy who walked with me, mentored me for about two years. He referred me to Proverbs chapter 16 and to this passage. And he said, Chris, remember this text. Pride goes before destruction. A pride goes before a fall. A haughty spirit before a fall. Pride. You see, pride is self-satisfaction. It is self-reliant. See, God says to Israel in Hosea chapter 13, He says this, But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. And when they were satisfied, what happened to them? What happened to them? They became proud and they forgot me. Is it possible? Can it be us? Can it be you? Can it be me? We've forgotten how the way God has journeyed with us tremendously and brought us to the present day and He has satisfied us and blessed us with every good thing in our lives and we are prospering and we forget God. You see, God's goodness is turned into self-sufficiency. You see, pride takes credit for what God alone does. You see, one of the most sad illustrations of pride is King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. We are not going to read that chapter this morning, Daniel chapter 4. You can have a look at it later perhaps. You see, Daniel said this. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar said this. He was walking on the balcony and he said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built? I have done it. I have built it. This is my castle. This is me. Wow. Built as a royal residence by the might of my power for the glory of my majesty. Do you see that? It's not about the glory of God, but it's the glory of my majesty. And then, while the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. A scary thing, right? A scary thing to get a voice from heaven. Imagine that. I mean, I would know what to do. Probably run a mile if I hear this thing from heaven. A voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, Sovereignty has been removed from you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it to whomever he wishes. You're going to be thrown away. And that's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And then he came back, confessed, repented, and God restored this man. See, our culture, friends, defines greatness in terms of self, isn't it? It's about self. It's about self-promotion. It's about selfies. I mean, please don't, there's nothing wrong with selfies. You want to take a thousand selfies of yourself? Fine. Right? (laughs) But life is not about that. It's more than that, isn't it? 
It doesn't surround them. Life doesn't center around me as a person. Life is beyond that. You see, now, of course, we can take pride. Of course, we can take pride in your accomplishments in life. If you get through an exam, uh, if you just received your university results, as I know some did yesterday, I know certainly my daughter did, and we were all seated there thinking, ah, have you passed this? Have you passed? Just tell us. And they're agonizing, wait. And the results come. Well, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> right? Okay? Uh, we, we, we can delight in the things that God does in our lives. We can rejoice. We can, we can take satisfaction in the work that God has achieved through us. But we don't take the glory to ourselves. We say, okay, Lord, it is by your grace, by your strength, by your amazing goodness to me because I don't deserve this. You have blessed me and I give you all the glory because you have been my God, my covenant God. Do you see the difference? The glory is shifted from myself to the God who gives grace. See, it's so easy to become proud, isn't it? Pride is so subtle. It can easily creep upon us. And so these two, humility and pride, friends, cannot coexist. Humility begins by coming to God in faith and repentance. That's where it begins. Let me uh, highlight this point this morning. See, Jesus spoke about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Luke chapter 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, Luke chapter 18, and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. It's tax time now, right? You've done your tax returns? I haven't even started it. It'd be nice to get a check back, I tell you. It's always good to get a check, if you can get a check in the mail, that is. All right? Okay, it's a tax time. So this tax collector is there, and the Pharisee, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, oh, man, God, I just thank you that I'm not like that other, other people over there, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, anyone like this, this fellow standing next to me. He's a joker, he's a tax collector. I'm not like him. I fast twice a week, I give tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. And this is it in the text here. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Wow. You see, humility begins by coming to God. It it is being humble before God. It is being humble before Him and crying to Him for mercy. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I want to ask you this morning, friends. Have you come to God? Have you? Is there anyone here this morning? You see, you want to be a humble person? It begins by coming to this God in faith. Say, Lord, have mercy on me. Have you? What is preventing you this morning from coming to believe in Jesus Christ as your God and Savior? Is there anything blocking you, friends? You see... Sometimes we try and explain the gospel. It's not that complex. To become a Christian, you don't need a theological degree from the PDC. 
All you need to do is to say, God, I'm just come to you just as I am. I'm a sinner. I humble myself before you. Have mercy on me. And he will. All right? That's the beginning of humility, isn't it? My sacrifice, psalmist said, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You, O God, will not despise. Have you come to this God in your, in your life? It is within this context, friends, that Peter says then, when we humble ourselves before God, when we come to him, Peter says then, you can cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. People say this, God cares for me. You're not being selfish there. You're just acknowledging the fact that what God has said here. And I, I, and I, and I, I thought about it this past week. Really, I did. I sat in my office and I, I was looking at I think, Lord, do you really care? You know, there are moments in your life when you, you go through those patches, as it were, and you ask God, where are you? And a text like this ought to encourage you. It ought to encourage me as it did this past week. I can tell you that. Otherwise, I will not be standing here this morning. I'll be on the sunshine coast, um, enjoying some nice sun and a latte and kayaking. Right? It's always nice. I'm not a great kayaker. I'm scared of the water. but It's, it's okay. I did it once with my wife and it was all okay. I had to exercise faith, you see. I put my faith in Rose and in the Lord and we went, it's all okay. The point is this, friends. You see, our God cares for us, even in the midst of everything else and the trials and the testings of life that he hits you, bang, one after the other. And we say, oh God, you care. That's all I, you are the only one I have. There is no one else. And I can turn to. You see, now we can see the, feel the force. Clearly, we can see the force of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It is within the context of humility. In, in, in what shall you humble yourselves, Peter says, by casting your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. You see, this word casting means throwing something. It has that, for example, throwing a blanket over a horse. Or a donkey or a mule. That's how the word is used in Luke chapter 19. You see, casting is an exertion of effort to throw something or to fling something away. It is a deliberate act. And Peter uses this word to convey the idea of throwing something away. It's taking this blanket and throwing it away. And the idea is quite a powerful metaphor that we have here. It is like this, friend. What Peter is saying is, all your anxieties that you have... You literally need to take that and throw it away. Cast it. And who should you cast it upon? He says, put your anxieties upon God because he cares for you. Throw it onto him. Don't carry it upon yourself because it will, what will it do to you? Right? What will it do to you, friend? It'll burden you. You see, um, You've probably been in Asian countries and you, uh, you've seen people carrying heavy loads on their backs, right? Certainly in Sri Lanka. People carry bags of rice. Huge bags. And there are men that I've seen, they can't stretch their backs anymore. They can't stand straight. 
Because these guys carry the heavy load of rice or flour on their backs from a bullock cart to the shop. That's their job. And by the end of the day, they can't stand straight. The burdens of it. You see, that's what happens, isn't it, in life. When we let the burdens, and sometimes they come upon us, and they weigh us down, what Peter is saying is, throw it. Give it over. Put it on to someone else, because God does care. And Peter wrote this letter, this, this letter to the Christians to whom, who were going through persecution. Some of them have lost their jobs. They will face the wrath, the Roman emperor. They would have been so anxious. And Peter says, cast your anxieties upon him. The word anxious here, friends, is translated, uh, it, it comes from two words. Right? It means to divide. The word anxiety comes from two words. It means to divide, and it has the other word attached to it, mind. So when you combine the two words, it means a divided mind. Now, can you function with a divided mind all the time? <laughs> right. It's very hard, isn't it? And when these anxieties come upon you, you're torn this way, that way, and it weighs you down. It means to be worried. It means, this word means to be uneasy. It means to be troubled. Are you troubled this morning? How is your life progressing today? You see, perhaps Peter had the psalmist in mind, Psalm 55 and verse 22, where the psalmist says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. How are you this morning, friends? Are you shaken? You see, this is not some form of escapism from troubles. David went through real situations in life. But he comes back to the security because God cares about us. See the Beatles. Uh, any Beatles fans here? Yeah. Don't feel shy to raise your hand. Come on. Oh, I see a few hands here. Yeah, right. Good. You know this one, right? You know this one. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. You know that one, right? Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Oh, don't clap. Suddenly, suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh, yesterday came suddenly. Yesterday. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. They're back again. You see? See, that's the solution of perhaps the world, isn't it? You have your troubles of yesterday, but they'll be back again today. But if you are a Christian, friends, yes, troubles will come our way. But if you humble yourself and myself before our God, we can take comfort that even in the midst of those troubles of yesterday, we can cast all our anxieties upon him, believing in the God who holds both the present and the future in his hands, right? The present and the future. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. 
And I can tell you, friends, from my personal own experiences to stand here today because of God's grace. I remember when we went to Nurat one day and ministered in that congregation, the first few weeks I was there, this manse was a beautiful manse. You could play cricket in the, in the, in, in, on, in the corridors, literally. I mean, we won't talk about the cricket this morning. The point is this, right? Before, in my office, I had this beautiful office, a magnificent office that overlooked Mount Nurat. And I didn't know where God was going to, how he was going to lead Rosa, myself, and our family at the time. And I didn't want to burden my wife either. And I used to go and sit there in front of the office, kneeling, and the tears would be pouring down. Knowing, Lord, how? What are you doing with me? Why have I come here? What is happening? How am I going to live in this situation? Should I go back to, to Colombo? You know, how are you going to lead us as a family? And God has been so gracious, so wonderful, because of his grace. And you can tell your own story in your own way, isn't it? We can be anxious. I, I'm an anxious guy. I, I worry a lot. You may not think so, but Rose is not like that. She is a matter of fact person. She's like, Chris, don't worry. This will be fine. But I worry. I, 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 I worry about lots of things. I worry about our kids. I worry about this. I worry about that. I, I sit there and, and think. And I think and I think. But then I, when I looked at this text, I prepared it last week. I said, Lord, forgive me. I'm always anxious. I need to trust you and to cast my anxieties upon you because you care for us. Is there anyone here this morning who doesn't feel the care and love of God today? You see? Are you losing the war against worry? Has anxiety got, in, got you in a stranglehold? Has concern crippled your confidence? Have fears about tomorrow? frustrated your today. Friends, let us be reminded this morning that God cares for us. And how do you know this? Look at the cross of Christ. Because at the cross, God sent His amazing Son, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, in all His splendor. And Jesus was born in humble circumstances. To the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. Was crucified. Died and was buried. And on the third day. He rose again to life. And at the cross. God says. I care. For you. I understand. Your sorrows. I understand. Your pain. I understand. Your heartache. I was there in the pain at the cross and I know it all. You see, God does care. And I want us to be encouraged this morning to know that whatever your situation may be, And as life gets tougher from time to time, perhaps, that we look at the cross of Christ that speaks to us, the language of love, of grace, and care. Does it not? It does. 
Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You know the text? And I will give you rest. They're not my words. They're the Lord's words. Have you come to Jesus? If you have not, there's anyone here who's not a believer here this morning, perhaps God is speaking to you. And the only thing you need to do is, God is speaking to you, say, Lord, I am sorry for living my life apart from you. Take away my pride. And I want to be a Christian this morning. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. And if you pray that prayer, then you will be a believer in Christ. And God will lay his hand upon you. And he will exalt you and give you mighty blessings in Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you that you care for us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to begin each day by reflecting on the wonder of the cross of Christ. Help us, Lord, to be humble before you and in our relationships one with another. We pray for us as a church family here at St. Stephen's that the humility of Christ will flow through our lives, that we will be a humble people. If there's anyone who does not know you this morning, may today be the beginning of a new journey of faith in Christ. Amen.